Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos, and in this podcast, we talk about all things, you guessed it, demand generation in a simplified way. We cover the basics of what demand generation is, all the way through to how to get started and how to be successful when launching your demand generation framework. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, so last week I actually talked about how to build a demand gen plan from scratch, right? Like the approach that I take with my clients from the understanding what matters to formulating a plan and conquering the market. I wanted to do a part two to layer on some of the insights from that episode. So if you're new, if you haven't listened to the episode last week, take a pause, go listen to that one first, and then take a step back into this one. Please come back and listen to the additional insights that are layered on top of that first one. So when I first released, I guess, that episode last week, a lot of questions that came back was that it was a little bit too high level and they wanted something a little bit more granular in terms of how to go about specifically selecting which channels need to be a part of a demand gen plan, as well as allocating dollars behind it. And so I wanted to take this time for today's episode to kind of break down at a high level the thought process that I went from last week in terms of like how to actually formulate a plan. What are some of the business objectives that matter that we need to be talking about and getting an understanding about before we're even ready to start talking about what formulating a plan looks like and what that plan looks like before we're able to actually take that into market, right? So if we've done all of like the background work and now we have a better understanding on what those business objectives are and we're all aligned in terms of where we want to go with like our demand gen strategy, really understanding where to spend the money, where to put the money, how much to spend can be a challenging conversation, a challenging topic, a challenging strategy. So again, for today's episode, I kind of wanted to break down a little bit more of my thought process behind how I get to the point of creating my demand gen plans. And so I have kind of like a list of questions that I mapped out. I was brainstorming. I'm like, what are some of the things that I think through, right? Like every single time that I have to build one of these plans, And so I wanted to kind of walk through some of those bullet points today, and then we can take the next steps and how this comes into a larger strategy. So as a recap, again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, or if you don't fully remember, (laughs) um, my goal for Elevate Growth, which is my business, is for all of my B2B SaaS startup clients to get a custom demand gen plan. And the reason for that is because of all the startups that I've been a part of, Not one demand gen plan that I created in-house was the exact same for good reason, right? Like no company is the exact same, no audience is the exact same, no budget is the exact same, no business objective and purpose is the exact same. I don't think it's fair to just have like a standard out-of-the-box go-to-market strategy that, you know, you could just replicate left and right. I feel like that would almost make our jobs too easy. Um, And so... Some of the things that I think through when I I think through putting together a plan after I get a better understanding of that, like, 
understand what matters component. We have to know what we're working with. We have to know how we're going to be measured against success. We have to understand what's worked before, what's not worked before. So after we've gone through that process, some of the things that I like to identify from an asset perspective is what's currently available for us to use right now that we could get started with quickly. For startups, speed to market and a bias to action are absolutely something that you need to take into consideration because the longer you sit on something, either for it to be perfect, for it to be redone, or um, you know whatever the, the reasons could be, is you're, miss, you're missing that opportunity to be in market. Whereas if you have competitors that are quickly growing for a startup as well, you're losing that percent of market share that you could be at least gaining in the beginning steps while you work to improve that or perfect it or you know replace it or um, whatever the, the list goes on in terms of what could possibly be wrong with that asset. And so after we identify some of those things, then we need to identify what's currently missing from an asset perspective. What's needed for long-term success? What do we not have today that we would need in order to better position ourselves in the market and or against our competitors? Then we need to break down the way that content is being generated in terms of content deliverables. How are they being messaged? How are they being positioned? Are they geared around a full funnel strategy? A lot of demand gen covers aspects all the way from awareness all the way down to retention, right? Like I've always talked about demand gen being three buckets where one is you have to generate demand where people have absolutely no idea that you exist or they have an idea that you exist, but they're just not quite ready to buy yet. Then you have the second component of converting demand. Those that are either are in market but don't know you exist or are in market and know you exist. And this is your absolute you know, chance to convert them for an at-bat for your business. And the third component is maintaining demand. After you get the buy-in and you land them as a customer, you have to keep them happy, right? You want to start making sure that you're getting those um the annual renewals and the contract durations that are more than just the specific sales that you get. Some SaaS companies are one-year contracts, two-year contracts, six-month contract, whatever that is. You want to make sure that you're able to land larger duration contracts. You can upsell and cross-sell, um, and ultimately that you have a really strong uh, retention rate and renewal rate. Um, so I don't think demand just stops at top of funnel. And so really making sure that you have content geared towards all of that is going to be really important. Now, take a step back, startups. If you're at a very high growth beginning seed stage level, what customers are currently available? Do you even have customers, right? Sometimes you need to focus your priority on specific aspects of that funnel based on that business need, right? So I think the analysis still needs to be done in terms of what that full funnel picture looks like. But I would caveat that with if you're one person at a startup, like you can't do it all and don't try to do it all because I think you're going to fail. So you have to be strategic. And again, going back, understanding what matters, what are those quick wins? What can we do right now that can impact tomorrow and focus your attention on those initial initiatives? And as they start getting rocking and rolling a little bit, or if you can get some more headcount underneath your belt, then you can start expanding that, right? But 
oftentimes startups prioritize more like net new accounts versus worrying about retention, which is fine. And I would, I, I would agree with that strategy for the most part. Um, so if that is the case, you know, if everybody's in alignment with that direction, you have your answer, content needs to be right now generated and geared towards more top of funnel for the net new, um, top and middle funnel, um, in order what's needed to support that conversion journey from an awareness standpoint and a converting standpoint for demand. Um, so again, doing that analysis in terms of the content, what you have to work with, what are some of those content gaps, you need to better understand if everybody that you're working with is aligned with that ICP. Um, I've spoken about this, I think a couple of like the beginning episodes of my podcast where sales has an idea of who they want to land. Leadership has an idea of who they want to land as clients and marketing has like a checklist. And so marketing is setting up all of their ads with this checklist having leads being delivered to the sales team, sales teams not working with them because they have their outbound list that they want to land because those are bigger ticket dollars. And then leadership is trying to figure out what the hell's going on with revenue because marketing is generating quote unquote leads. Sales is doing a bunch of outbound, which is just all busy work, right? If we just take everything out of it, it's just busy work and there's nothing actually strategic being done to where there's a huge misalignment in terms of who we're serving as an ICP. So part of, again, the beauty of startups is that things change so quickly and or it has never been established or thought of before. So if you're in one of those like very early stage startups, really identifying an ICP could be challenging because you're not fully sure. You need to figure out if you have that market fit, you need to figure out what's palatable to your audience and if you even have like that pricing model that could fit within your competitors um, so that can be really challenging but at least having an understanding on what you want that framework to look like and having all of the go-to-market teams working towards that goal the key the key is to have the alignment between that even if you're still figuring that out again it's probably going to change in like six months or a year if you're head of startup so it's okay for that to change everybody can pivot but what we don't want to have is that breakage between those type of teams and the outbounds and the initiatives, because then we're just getting into like busy work and nobody's actually doing anything strategically to grow the business. And so really scaling back and really understanding what is our ACP? Are we all aligned? And how can we start going to market to tackle those? A big, the next biggest thing that I like to, to think through is what is currently not working today? I think that's a really big component to think through and to fix. If somebody is really irritated with Google ads, if somebody is really irritated with um, LinkedIn or, you know, email marketing, whatever a specific channel from a marketing perspective could be, let's understand why that is. And if it truly just needs to be gut and redone, could that potentially be like a quick win? Is that something that we could fix quickly to continue getting that buy-in to start seeing that immediate impact and like that momentum? If it's not, should we just consider pausing it and reallocating dollars and efforts to a different channel and like coming back at a later date when we have the time and resources for that? Sometimes that's okay and sometimes that's needed. So really understanding what's working, what's not working, how can we kind of change and mold these strategies based on what we now understand from that, like understand what matters assessment that we did. The next biggest thing is you need to understand what are the top reasons that you win deals. 
And what are the top reasons that you lose them? One of like a really easy low-hanging fruit for marketers is to understand what are some of the objection points that the sales team faces when they're in that immediate kind of disco demo stage. So discovery calls or uh, demo calls, depending on the sales process. Um, and the reason for that is because you can actually take those objection reason, reasons and then you can create content around that that could then better support that buyer's journey to where they could learn that on their own prior to having to talk to sales and that could alleviate some of that friction point from a selling process right so again going back to that content assessment figuring out um, the win-lose strategy and figuring out ways that we could potentially mold some content around that um also understanding the tech stack that's available. Um, I know that's part of like what I talked last week about the understand what matters, but really understanding what you have available to spend. Some companies get really, really tech heavy where they have an ABM platform, they have an email marketing platform. Sometimes they have like an entire digital agency or they are doing like a pay per lead program um, for like software advice or, you know, the kind of those, they consider it like, high intent leads because they come from like the review sites when in reality I don't know I have my own two cents about that um so really understanding where that money is currently being spent the conversion rates behind all of those um and that tech stack and that infrastructure that you're working with some startups don't even have a marketing automation platform in place. Is that your job to assess and to pick in order to enable the marketing team to have an infrastructure to work off of? If you don't have a marketing automation platform, I highly recommend being that champion and advocating for that because most marketing automation platforms come with the ability to report on something, right? And so if you don't have anything right now to report on, it's going to be really, really challenging and or a lot of manual work if you have to do it manually into like spreadsheets to paint that picture, to justify that investment and to, you know, essentially get that buy-in for marketing and your role. Um, and so it, I think it just makes it a whole lot easier, right? Email marketing at scale, segmentation for an audience, um, the integrations between market automation platforms and like LinkedIn. So there's a lot of capabilities from a marketing standpoint that those type of platforms and technologies could really be useful for. So definitely take a look at what infrastructure you have available. And then the second thing to that is, is it set up to a point where it could be usable? A lot of times startups have, they could have, kind of like junk databases. So they started with one direction, like a lead gen direction, and they bought a ton of lists, whereas they've exhausted them via email marketing. And now they're like, well, I don't have anything else to go off of. So does a, a database cleanup need to happen? Is there currently like tagging and reporting on MQLs and opportunities and are handoffs and lead assignments and marketing to sales SLAs like are all of those things in place right now today if not do they need to be again all of this infrastructure is the foundation for what you would need as a marketer to paint the picture of why you're doing what you're doing and being able to use that to kind of talk to the story that you're building 
Um, so that's also really important to understand. And then the last bullet point that I have is to understand the conversion rates. Is what they're currently doing from like an MQL to an SQL, SQO opportunities um, conversion rate, are they working? Is it, is it benefiting doing the type of initiative that you're currently doing today? Um, I like to see like an MQL to SQL percentage and again as MQL because we're in a demand gen world is a high intent uh, hand raiser so get a demo contact us let's chat whatever it's not going to be somebody who is like signed up for a webinar or downloaded a piece of content um, somebody who's specifically raising their hand to talk to sales that's what I call an MQL um, so an MQL to an SQL conversion rate of like at least 40 percent it needs to be at least 40%. So if you're not there right now, I would say let's focus on the quality. Let's re-evaluate um, the audience that you're going after. Oftentimes, um, companies want to just go after C-level. They don't want to talk to anybody else except for the CEO. And while that's great, the CEO is not the one that's doing the research, that's attending webinars, that's you know reading these pieces of content that you're creating. There's just a disconnect in terms of the messaging that you're putting forth at your company and who you're trying to land. And also having buy-in and a champion in terms of somebody who's more of like an influencer level, so like director, VP, et cetera. Those are going to be the individuals personally that I like to go after because one, they give you more time of day. Two, they're more likely to engage. And three, it's a lot easier to create content for them um, because you can mold that more into like the day-to-day -day pain points, you know, or, or some ways that you can make their lives easier or save time, right? CEOs, they only care about one thing and that's like their business. So it's really hard to find a way to justify your software to a specific business impact that's going to resonate with the CEO. Um, and so personally, coupling them together is the best approach, but I also like going after the those that are more of an influencer level because that's your foot in the door. That's your way in. Um, and sometimes that route can be easier than trying to go directly to the executives. So Food for thought there. Um, so uh, conversion rates, you know, make sure that you're evaluating those, finding a ways of how you can increase that. Sometimes it's as simple as just changing the MQL definition, saying we're no longer going to accept gated content as MQLs. They're just going to go in as leads if you're still keeping within that strategy, right? So again, really looking at that infrastructure and understanding what that looks like from there this is when the art and the science of marketing come together. So now that you have a better understanding of like everything the business is trying to achieve, how everything is laid out in terms of content, full funnel approach, ICP, infrastructure, tech stack, et cetera. Then you kind of just like take the puzzle pieces and fit it together to create this picture, right? So now you can start better understanding what's needed. Are they needing a lot of brand exposure? Are they needing a lot of like, conversions? Do they have a lot of people in their database, super solid, but they just need that help kind of getting them over the fence? It really depends, right? And again, this is where that custom strategy comes in because you're going to find out an entirely different story if you evaluate two different companies. So really understanding what's needed for them at that time. And then you peel that back and you start saying, how can I get them there? And what 
dollars are needed in order to achieve that. So sometimes you don't always need to spend money. Sometimes they have a really strong referral or partnership program. How can we nurture the partnerships even more? Sometimes that's free. Sometimes that's paid, right? So really drilling down into the resources that are available, the channels that are available, what's working, what's not working, and hand selecting those specific types of content. Um, I'm sorry, those specific type of channel strategies, not content. Um, so one of the things personally that is like my absolute favorite thing to market is a explainer video. So for me, that is like I don't know, they just do wonders in terms of like from an ad perspective, as well as like in your website, like a true 90 second or less explainer video, who you are, what you do and why, like that helps a demand gen person so, so much. Um, and whenever I see that a company has it, I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> you know, like we can do a lot of stuff with this because they already know who they're going after, why they're going after, you know, and like what works for them. And that messaging just really helps create that alignment in terms of everything else from a demand gen standpoint that you can build out to support that journey. And it, you know, video is a really strong strategy to use um, for a B2B SaaS audience as well. And so that's one of my favorite things um, to market just like in general. And then whenever I see that a company has that, I always get really excited. Um, for LinkedIn specifically, one of the strategies that I really like are just generic brand ads. Um, and so a lot of people either disagree with this approach or don't see the value in the approach or I don't know. But I, I have seen a lot of success with startups because they're trying to be disruptive in the industry. Nobody really knows what they do. Um, and so really having something as simple as like your brand logo coupled with like that specific what's in it for them or why it matters for them, meaning your audience on on a, a at image and then using that to just go to market to your audience. Like that's sometimes all that's needed. And you can say, you know, oh, okay, this company does that, this company does that. And it just follows you all over the internet to where eventually you start seeing additional pieces of content that dive into more into what that is or your pain point with that. And it all starts to make sense from like a multi-channel perspective. And it starts something as simple as just one of those brand ads. And so I, I personally love seeing those, um, creating those and uh, seeing those come to life. I do see a lot of success with that from the uh, demand and strategies that I put together. Um, another good one is just customer quotes or, you know, if you have some case studies, the biggest thing here is finding a way to tell that story within that ad platform that you're targeting on. So LinkedIn, the way that LinkedIn works doesn't want you clicking off of LinkedIn. They want everything to be consumed right there in the uh, channel in in the ad and feed as you're scrolling. And so what you want to try and do instead of just saying, oh, hey, click to, to read this case study, click to learn more, like go check this out, go read this, is pull specific snippets or statements or ROI points or data points or quotes or whatever from that and then use that on your ad creative so that, again, immediately on that one takeaway, somebody can see exactly what that message is that you're trying to get across 
And sure, link them to the case study if they want to click to learn more, they can, right? They could. But what we want to do is make sure that we're telling that story in feed. So highlighting some of those customer quotes or, you know, some of those um, eye-opening data statistics um, that work really well that would get somebody to be like, oh, dang, like, I didn't know that. Or, oh, dang, like, what is this? Um, I've seen that work really well. And then something that's oftentimes entirely overlooked is remarketing. Remarketing is one of those, like, really low-hanging fruit semi-cost-effective that you can use to really support a lot of your digital efforts. And it could be something as simple as just something so broad to say all website visitors. If you're just getting started, start there. Um, more than likely, your website vis visitors are people who are actually hearing about your site if you're a startup. As you start to get more sophisticated, you can slice and dice your um, website visitors to start seeing who we want to start excluding, if we're getting an influx of certain people, if we're starting to see certain keywords turn into traffic that turns into junk, right? We can get a little bit more sophisticated with that um, and we can get a better understanding and mold that. But like just as a startup, just getting started, just trying to figure out what works, do remarketing as a whole to all website visitors. Like that's going to start giving you some of the data points to be able to optimize and to grow and figure out where we need to go from there. Um, and a lot of times people just totally forget about remarketing. So I've seen remarketing work really well as a channel strategy as well. Um, let's see. Going back to LinkedIn, another thing that I think is really underutilized with LinkedIn is boosted content. Um, for, in my opinion, that's a really cheap way to get some of your content in front of your ideal customers. So people always go to the admin or the campaign manager with LinkedIn, and they set up the sponsored content for ad spend, which is fine. I, I couple the two approaches. I don't think they're exclusive of each other. But what I found is being able to boost content to your same ICP that you build in your campaign manager, you're able to deliver those type of content and gain that consumption at like a fraction of the cost. And most of the time, like with better delivery rates. So I I think that's another strategy that is underutilized or sometimes overlooked. Um, and so for those of you that don't know the difference, so sponsored content and boosted content. Um, sponsored content is essentially like that campaign manager, the ads platform set of LinkedIn, where you go in and you specifically select your creative, you specifically select your audience your campaign objective, the goal, the tracking, all those type of things, and you build your campaign from scratch in that portal. A boosted content, if you will, is think about your company LinkedIn page. If you just go and you want to write a post on your company page, that's totally entirely organic, right? So what a boosted content is saying is now that you posted that organic piece of content, you want to pay, I don't know, like $3,000 for a duration of like 30, 60 days to that same ICP audience that you built in your campaign manager. So now what you're doing is you're basically saying, in addition to all of the sponsored content or video ads or whatever you're doing in campaign manager, you can also now offer those pieces of content consumptions to that same ICP persona as another point of engagement for you and or you know content consumption for them to learn more and to engage. So that's a really great way to, again, making sure that your content is being distributed to your audience and gaining that consumption from them. But I find that boosted content is way cheaper 
than a sponsored content approach. So um, again, I like to do them together. I don't think they're exclusive one versus the other. Um, but boosted content is definitely something that's really that I've seen work really cool as well. Um, do do do. Let's see. So the way that I approach that, I know I've only talked about a couple of channels, um, but once we start thinking through those specific channels, right, and creating that channel-specific strategy. So again, we talked about LinkedIn, right? What are all the things of LinkedIn that we want to be building X, Y, and Z? How much dollars do we need per campaign? Um, that's that specific channel strategy that we roll up and we break down the budget that's needed for each of those campaigns. Then we bundle that all together. LinkedIn as a whole for these three campaigns is going to cost us X amount. And that's that marketing budget that we put forward and say on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis, here's what we're planning for specifically LinkedIn. Here's what we're planning for for specifically Google search. Here's what we're planning for specifically for, you know, Facebook, et cetera. Um, so those are kind of just the ways that I think through some of that. Um, a couple other things that I think are like totally underutilized when it comes to demand gen strategy is partnerships. A lot of startups are built on referrals and partnerships. So really being able to kind of nurture some of those, sometimes that's even like a low hanging fruit. Um, it could be like, all you have to do is ask and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're able to start gaining a little bit more of those type of leads or referrals from your partners. Um, so I think that's a really big opportunity as well. Um, so I hope that helps. Um, again, it's the art and the science behind it. And I think a little bit of the experience of what to do when and why. Um, but hopefully that helps in terms of the breakdown of like really doing that assessment of what you're, what you have to work with, what are those gaps? And then thinking about ways to fill those gaps and then being able to say, or to think about what is everybody else doing? Like all my other competitors, all my other marketing friends, is that good enough for the gap that we need to fill? If what they're doing and if I did exactly that and went into the market, would that yield the results that we're wanting to yield? Sometimes the answer to that is yes, right? Sometimes you just need to check a box and check a box and you just need to be present. And sometimes that's okay. Often uh, some other times you really need to think strategically and you need to think outside the box and you need to find a way to break the noise or stop the scroll and really truly be a disruptive marketing team for that disruptive product that you're trying to take to market so it really depends um in terms of like what you're trying to solve how you're trying to go about it but for building a demand gen plan the biggest thing that i would put like for advice is to find a way to identify the gaps and fill the gaps and to think about stuff in both a short-term and long-term perspective so again identifying those quick wins identifying um, some of the impact of what you can do. Um, if a specific channel isn't working, let's shut that off. If something is low-hanging fruit, let's prioritize that first. What is something that we need from a content perspective that can position us from a long-term approach, right? What are the metrics that we're going to be measured on from a long-term strategy? What are the micro KPIs that are needed to get us there? All those type of components need to be thought through as we're putting together the strategy so that we're not setting ourselves up for failure, um, we have the breadcrumbs throughout that journey that can support us into achieving this larger demand gen strategy. So 
one motto that I've always held dear to my heart and any in-house position that I had that I'll share with you all um, is what can I do today that will impact tomorrow? And so in a demand gen role, there's a lot of pressure to deliver. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, just overarching pressure. And so the, it's really hard, especially if you're in-house, to prioritize all of the Slack notifications, all of the email notifications, all of the strategy that you have to put together, individual like channel optimizations. And especially if you're one person at a startup, it can become really overwhelming really, really quick. And so every single morning, I would start my day with what can I do today that will impact tomorrow? If I'm being measured on specific like demo requests, what is needed today to continue fueling that KPI? Is there a channel strategy that I've been procrastinating? Is there something that I need to look at from an optimization standpoint? Like identifying every single day, every single morning, what that impact could be that you could do to where at a minimum, at the end of the day, if the whole internal communications like swarmed you, you would have done that one thing and you could at least sleep with peace that you did something to impact the tomorrow. And I know that kind of seems a little heavy, right? Like being able to like sleep with peace that, you know, that um, that you feel like you're actually doing something with your job. And truthfully, I was in those positions because I was sometimes that one head of demand gen person that needed to do it all. And it, it's really, really stressful. And when you care about your job, when you're passionate about what you do, you want to be able to deliver those type of results, right? And to be able to see those type of things through, like come to life. Um, and so I'm one of those individuals that I care a lot about my job. I care a lot about my results and I care a lot about like my personal reputation. And sometimes to a point where I needed to find a way to disconnect all of that in order to truly like sleep with peace and really having that motto of what can I do today that will impact tomorrow helped me with my peace of mind from a demand gen strategy of having the largest budget and to have the most pressure and everybody's looking at you to deliver the revenue for the business. It's uh can carry a really heavy weight. Um, and so I'll share that with you all as well. And I hope you find that valuable, but don't take yourself too seriously. Do the best that you can. The biggest thing with marketing and demand gen is that it's constantly evolving. So there's never going to be like a one and done type of strategy. And I think the beauty of marketing is that we always get to continue learning Things always come out, updates always come out, new software always comes out, opinions come out to where marketers are always looking for that next best practice. They're always looking for that next channel. They're always looking for that next like swarm of where the audience is going to be or, you know, the impact that that's going to have. Um, and I think that that's really, really cool because you can constantly be learning. So don't take yourself too seriously. Um, because it's going to change tomorrow, right? Like there's nothing we can do about that. We're in a profession that's constantly evolving. I think that's the beauty of it. But then also, you know, do the best that you can today that'll impact your tomorrow. And that's good enough. If you truly care about what you do, you know, your reputation, uh, your work ethic and your quality of work, I think at the end of the day, like you're doing enough 
and that is good enough and the results will come and you just need to trust the process. So I hope you guys find that valuable from last week's episode of going about how to formulate a demand gen plan to today's episode where we uh, deep dived a little bit further into specific channel strategies and creating, finding ways to identify some of those gaps and filling some of those gaps. So um, if you guys found that valuable, I would really, really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend, a colleague, um, or if you reached out with any questions or any other ideas that you have. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks, and see you next time. Thank you.